Welcome to episode 112 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Alice, Anthony, and an anonymous donor. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Alice, Anthony, and an anonymous donor for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Do you drink? Did you drink with your alcoholic loved one? How has recovery changed how you drink? How you think about drinking? Did you stop drinking? Why or why not? Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show maybe in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, I will share my own experiences as they relate to the topic of Do You Drink? The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show is, it, is my discussion of this topic, Do You Drink? Following a short break, I'll talk about my life in recovery, about how I practice these principles in all my affairs. Follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. And as I said, my name is Spencer, and I'm going to talk about my personal experience with drinking and with how that has changed um, and how my feelings about that in particular have have changed over the years um, as uh, I recognized my wife's alcoholism, uh, tried to deal with it, and then when she got into sobriety, what changed then, um, and uh, and also, uh, you know that that question I think many of us face: uh, What about my drinking? Am am I at risk of uh, drinking alcoholically? And uh, anyway, I'm just going to share my own experience, and maybe uh, you'll be moved to uh, to call or to write and share a little bit of your own. Um, I find this this topic of my personal drinking one that is is difficult to talk about um, in meetings and and with Alan on friends because um, so many of us have been I think harmed by someone's drinking um, and many of us have have chosen not to drink or many of us uh, many of the people in my meetings are themselves alcoholics and and I think I feel like. Um, if I talk about it, I might trigger something uh, in in another person, and of course, that's you know my codependency at work as well. Uh, and and so um, I sort of keep quiet about it. I don't talk about it, and um, and you know there there are some things about uh, my recovery, some things about my relationship and reaction to my wife's recovery that uh, you know probably would be good to talk about. Uh, so I thought I'd bring it out here and maybe inspire uh, some of you to uh, to think about it and maybe talk about it as well. So you can, uh, of course, call our voicemail number or send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com with, uh, with your experience, with your thoughts, with your feelings um, on this topic. And I guess it's sort of, I'll start at the beginning. Um, I grew up in a family where uh, drinking was casual and it was normal. And, you know, I never saw any alcoholism in that family, although later learned that um, at least a couple members of my extended family, uh, an uncle and a cousin, uh, struggled with and eventually found 
recovery from alcoholism. And, uh, but in, in my, in my personal family, there might be a glass of wine with dinner. Um, as children, we might get a small sip or maybe some watered wine. Uh, and it was just something that you did. It was something that enhanced your experience of eating. Um, my parents, um, you know, I grew up in the, uh, I was born in the fifties. I grew up mostly in the sixties. And back then, uh, you know, if you had a party, you had, uh, you know, you provided bottles of alcohol uh, or people brought their own. Maybe you had some mixed drinks. Uh, my parents always had a well-stocked liquor cabinet and it stayed stocked. And that's, you know, another, another evidence that the, there was no alcoholic drinking in that immediate family. Uh, and so it just was, it was part of life. It was um, part of being social. And it wasn't something that uh, was was really a problem. Um, you know, and then I, I hit teenage years uh, um had uh, had some experiences drinking heavily uh, as a teenager, uh, as I think many of us have. Uh, and, you know, the outcome of that for me was not pleasant. Um, the first time that I got seriously drunk, I could not stand the smell of alcohol for several months afterwards. Uh, you know, and there's there's one of one of my pieces of evidence that probably I'm not alcoholic because um, that is not the experience that I've heard from from other people. Um, you know, but uh, anyway, my story and, uh, you know, I went off to college and again, there's a little bit of drinking in college. I was, went to college in a, in a so-called dry town, which meant that you could buy 3.2% alcohol, uh, beer. And, uh, and so, you know, didn't really think about it. We'd go out, uh, to the, uh, the rat skeller on campus, uh, and, uh, you know, order a pitcher of beer and sit around the evening and maybe drink a little bit. And, and it wasn't any, again, it wasn't anything that seemed out of place. It wasn't anything that seemed shameful. It was just, uh, you know, just the way it was. Fast forward a few years, uh, I met the, met the woman who is now my wife. And, uh, I, I have said, uh, sometimes when I tell my story, I've said, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I should have known something was up because, uh, um, you know, she was a grad student, didn't have a whole lot of money, but, always had uh, several bottles of wine on the counter in the kitchen. Uh, I had a wine rack, uh, you know, that might help, might have held a dozen bottles at most. But, you know, it was always there. Um, but, you know, that seemed normal to me. My parents always had, um, you know, some cases of wine in the basement so they could pull up a special bottle for a special occasion. Um, and that just seemed normal. Didn't even think about it. Um, you know, and we would drink. Uh, we would have parties at home and we'd drink or we'd go out and you know, we drank and it didn't, again, it wasn't, it wasn't a problem. Um, it was just something we did. And so, um, we got into, uh, into some wine tasting, into wine appreciation. We, um, I remember once uh, going to California on a trip and we stayed up in the Napa Valley, visited a bunch of wineries, bought a bunch of wine. And, you know, again, it, it disappeared fairly quickly, but didn't seem, didn't seem strange. Um, you know, maybe a little sad. I bought a special bottle of wine. I want to save it. Um, and, but Hey, you know, there it is. Let's drink it. Um, that's, that's just the way things were. Um, yeah. So, um, fast forward again, uh, maybe a decade or so. And, uh, you know, we're still, we're still appreciating wine. I'm still appreciating wine. Um, uh, but I'm starting to notice that, that she drinks a lot. Uh, and, I think the first time this really became evident to me uh, in a in a uh, 
you know, why, why are you doing this way? We went to a party at a friend's house and um, one of the people had brought a, a special bottle of something and she kept going back to it. And I was like, Hey, you know, this is special. He wants to share it around. You can't drink it all, but she kept going back to it. And uh, we left the party and it was, it was, I guess it was in the spring, early spring. And uh, there had been um, some freezing rain or something. I don't know. And, and everything was really slick uh, when we walked out of the house. And I said, hey, let's, let's walk down across the lawn. But she headed for the, headed for the driveway and stepped onto the driveway, which was sloped and, and icy, and just fell, bang. Um, you know, really freaked me out. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the first time I, I remember noticing that, wow, um, you know, this is, this is a little bit out of control here. Um, and I started, I think at that point, maybe, you know, not wanting to go to parties with her because if this thing was going to happen and, and, you know, and, and I'm sure it happened uh, more than once. Uh, so I started to move into this, um, sort of, yeah, we, we drink and I enjoy it, but I don't like the consequences. I don't like, you know, the fact that we go to a restaurant and we order a bottle of wine and I drink one glass and she drinks the rest. Um, and so I started to get oh, all those feelings of frustration and anger and, you know, it was still, it was still fun at times. Um, I started to switch what I drank. Um, I had started to, uh, to appreciate uh, good beer. And this was a time when the, uh, the sort of the microbrewery scene in the U.S. was was becoming active, and I live um, I live in an area where um, a number of microbreweries were starting up, and they were making some really good beer, and and it had flavor as opposed to the stuff that I hated when I was when I was younger, but drank it anyway because that was what you did to be social. So I started drinking beer. I also started. Uh, I spent a, a couple of years sort of trying to appreciate whiskey, and I still do occasionally, but. Um, anyway, that's, that's a different story. But, um, one of the things that happened was, uh, I would buy these, you know, bottles of, of, uh, uh, fancy, I don't know, rare, um, uh, whiskeys and she started drinking them. And this really pissed me off. This was my special thing. I wanted to be able to, you know, have a sip of it in an evening and then, and then save it and have a sip of it. And, you know, on another evening and, and really, um, appreciate it for the for the flavors and not not so much for the buzz. Um, and and she started drinking it and it would go and then it wouldn't be there when I wanted to to go taste it again. And so I started hiding it and she would find the hiding places. I mean this is this is so bizarre when I look back at it, you know. But it's like no, this is mine and and she's not supposed to drink it, but she did. And and you know again I didn't really. I mean, it was a problem, but I did not understand it. I did not understand why she, you know, um, she couldn't, she, she had to drink my stuff. Well, I think because she ran out of her stuff and she wanted, she didn't really like it. She referred to it as fire water. Um, she was not, you know, and I didn't, again, didn't really understand. She was not drinking it for the flavor. She was drinking it for the alcohol. Um, and, uh, and I stopped drinking wine really. Um, you know, maybe we'd go out and we'd share, we'd share some, but, you know, it, it started, and this, I feel sad about this because I really did appreciate good wine, but I just couldn't drink it uh, anymore because that was her drink. And that was the thing that was, that was tearing our family apart, you know? And, uh, um, yeah, 
it it you know it really changed changed the way that I thought about uh, thought about wine and you know I'll still like if I go to my now even when I go visit my parents you know if they want to have a glass of wine I'll probably have a glass of beer um, instead and uh, and I started. I don't know, tailoring my, my drinking to her patterns. No, that doesn't make sense. Um, and you know, there was, there was also, um, fear here, like what was going on. And, and I'm sure that many of you can identify with that. And I thought maybe, you know, my drinking and I was making beer at the time. Um, maybe that was contributing to this alcoholism. Uh, I didn't know. I really didn't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, so my my drinking changed. I I uh, started. Uh, well, you know, I was I was not drinking with her because that was that was something that uh, you know just was a, a gateway to pain and frustration and anger. Um, you know, I would I would go out with friends um, or uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just thinking. Um, and you know, and then she would she would stop drinking for a while, and I felt that. Well, if she wasn't drinking, I had to stop drinking as well. Um, and there was one, one trip actually shortly before she found her current long-term sobriety. We went out to California um, to visit my brother and uh, go to Disneyland and the beaches and so on. And she decided not to drink for that week we were out there. And I was actually, I mean, so I was like, okay, we're not going to drink. Fine. Um, you know, and it was fine, except that. Um, one of the things that I like to do when I travel is go visit uh, microbreweries because, you know, this was something I was into. And basically I couldn't because she wasn't drinking, so I couldn't drink. Um, and this is, again, this is, you know, I already had like, what, three years in Al-Anon at that point, And I was still obviously very codependent about the drinking. Um, if she didn't drink, I couldn't drink. Because if I drank, then she might drink. Right? Isn't that the way it goes? Um, you know, can't cause it, can't control it didn't cause it, can't control it, can't cure it. Well, I still thought I had some control, at least like if I drank, she would drink. Maybe, you know, obviously it didn't work the other way, but it might work that way. Um, at the end of the week, we got to the airport and she said, I can't go on the airplane without drinking. And man, I was pissed. I was really pissed. Um, I kept it in, talked about it to, probably talked about it to my sponsor later. Um, but I was really pissed. Like, ah, this whole week, this whole week, without drinking. And of course, I think I had the hope that, well, if she went a whole week without drinking, maybe, maybe she would just stop. Maybe she wouldn't drink anymore. Um, you know, again, control? No. Um, and so then, then she found, um, you know, she decided to stop drinking. And, um, at that point, again, I felt like, well, if I'm drinking, it's going to trigger her. Um, so I can't drink. Or I can't drink and let her know about it. And that, that turned into a real sort of um, a sick situation for me because um, I, would, I would go out with friends um, or um, I would, uh, you know, mem- was a member of, am a member of a uh, homebrewing club. So I would go to the club meeting and I felt like, uh, you know, anytime I did that, this might trigger her to drink again. And so I had to, I had to hide it. Um, you know, if if I stopped after work with some friends for a beer on the way home, um, I just wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I just. Oh well. You know, I left work late. Um, there was a lot of lying going on, and it was not. It. You know, I realized it was not good for me. It probably was not good for our relationship. It probably um, because if I'm hiding something, it's hard to be 
open in other ways. And, uh, and it wasn't helped by the fact that she would occasionally express concern about, oh my God, you came home last night and you were kind of stumbling. And I was like, yeah, I had a, a beer too, or two too many. So I felt like I had to hide it because she was, she was going to be afraid that um, I, I was also an alcoholic or something. I don't know. I mean, she was, you know, she was expressing concern and I was like, well, I'm just going to hide it so that, so that she doesn't get concerned. Yeah, so the hiding went on for a long time. And this is, I finally realized what a problem this was one night. Um, uh, I was I was having a beer and she called and I didn't answer the phone because I didn't want her to know that I was having a beer when she called. And then um, after I left, I called her back and I don't remember exactly what it was all about, but I re- responded very angrily and... Um, and we actually, I think at that point, talked about it a little bit. Like, wow, um, you know, I didn't want you to like know I was drinking. So I was angry because I was hiding it. And, and uh, you know, and she said, look, it's, it's fine if you drink. Um, you know, I know you enjoy it. And I was like, okay. Um, I talked to my sponsor at the time who was, uh, as we say, a double winner. And uh, he said, he said, you know, he said, people like you, referring to me, who drink normally, don't trigger us. It's the people who drink like us that trigger us. Um, it's the people that drink like us that bother us. And, you know, that was his personal experience, obviously. But, um, you know, that helped me. That helped me. There's still some, there's still some stress there. Um, when she got sober, she asked me not to have any alcohol in the house, um, which, okay, um, I can do that. Uh, it means that if I want to drink, I have to go out which is okay. And I've been trying to be very sensitive to her um, expressed desires and like not drink with while I'm with her, if we go out um, and I've, you know, we've seen this changing and she's coming up on 10 years. And, and I think, um, you know, we don't talk about it a lot. And I think, I think it's time maybe to talk about it again and say, okay, so where are you now? Um, I'm coming up on uh, a significant zero birthday uh, and we were talking about having a party, inviting a bunch of our friends, uh, um, you know, probably out somewhere um, rather than at our house. Uh, and she actually suggested um, booking uh, booking a room at one of the local brew pubs for the party. And I was like, really? <laughs> uh, you would do that would be okay? Uh, you know, obviously, I'm still feeling... Like I have to protect her from the fact that I still drink some, uh, and uh, and so that's obviously changing. And I said, I said, but if we did that, could you come? Because she, for so long, avoided social occasions with alcohol, you know. And there were some exceptions when my father turned eighty, uh, and uh, we threw a big party for them. Uh, my sister and her at the time boyfriend, now fiance. Uh, made beer for the for the party, and there was some wine from a local winery, and we all went. It was held actually in the at at our uh, at my parents' church uh, in uh, in the social area, and uh, you know we went there, and and my wife spent um, a, a lot of the time there uh, hanging out with some other friends of Bill at a table, you know, enjoying the the music and the dancing and the and the cake and all, um, and uh, you know. She did go to a meeting in the morning, and we actually, I'm trying to remember, I think we might have, no, we only had one car because we were visiting, but, you know, I gave her the option to, 
if she needed to leave, she could leave. Um, you know, we talked about it ahead of time and it worked. Uh, and, uh, and so I asked her, I said, well, if, you know, if we're having my birthday party at this brew pub, I'm obviously going to want to have, um, you know, a beer or two at the party. And, and she, she thinks that's okay. Uh, she did say, however, she says, one of the reasons for not having it at home is if I need to leave and go home, I can leave and go home. Uh, so we're working this out, how this works. The other thing that has come up for me, the other thing that has come up for me is understanding alcoholism and, and seeing her alcoholism and going to a lot of open talks and seeing, uh, you know, alcoholism of friends and, and other family members is, well, how do I know that I'm not alcoholic or how do I know that I'm not going to, um, you know, come into an alcoholic drinking pattern? And, you know, that's, that's a question that I continually ask myself that, uh, um, I'm, I'm always sort of on alert, sort of watching myself. And, and every time that, uh, you know, maybe I go to a party and I drink too much and, um, or, uh, you know, I have that one more, that one more drink, uh, when I don't really need it, uh, maybe don't really want it, but it's, but I, but I do, um, you know, I, I like, I, I look at myself and I say, Hmm. Okay. Do you need to uh, do you need to stop? What's going on here? And I mean, I don't know. The main thing that that um I look at to say, well, I don't think I'm an alcoholic at this point uh, is I can stop. Um you know, I can have one drink. And uh and I don't I don't do this thing that represents alcoholism to me, which is not being able to predict how much I'm going to drink. Yes, sometimes I drink one one beer more than, than I intended to. Um, but I've never had the experience of going in for one and leaving after, you know, five or six. Um, I continue to be vigilant um, and I continue to watch it. Uh, and that's all I can do. That's all I can do. Uh, I am, uh, yeah. So, where I am now um, is uh, well. I think I think we talked about it, and and uh, you know, when I'm, my relationship with my wife and with alcohol and my wife um, is is evolving. Uh, I'm moving out of the the hiding um, into being open about it, and I think it's healthier for both of us. And yeah. So what is your experience? Did you used to drink? Do you still drink? Do you fear that your drinking will cause your loved one to, to start again or to drink more? Um, I'd really love to hear from you because, you know, this is one person's experience. Uh, I feel like I didn't necessarily do a really excellent job at it, uh, talking about it, but uh, it is what it is. And it, and as you, I think you can tell, uh, it's something that it is really difficult for me to talk about in this context. Uh, I can talk about it with my friends uh, to some extent. Uh, it's really hard for me to talk about it with my Al-Anon friends, and particularly in, in meetings. So there we are. And uh, after a short break, I'll continue with my life in recovery. I'm going to talk about how recovery works in my daily life and in, in my meetings. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of songs about drinking. There are so many songs out there about drinking. Um, I picked a few 
I made a Spotify playlist uh, that I will put in the uh, in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 112. The one that, uh, that I picked to talk about first uh, is one that I've used before on the show. It was recommended to me by a listener, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Uh, this is Loudon Wainwright III. Uh, White Winos is the song. And it's a song about drinking with his mother. Uh, and uh, I think for me, it it does reflect my experience uh, drinking with my with my wife. Uh, I think before recognizing her her alcoholism at uh, in our lives, and um, it's it's a song that is sometimes difficult for me to listen to, but it's also um, one that uh, that does capture part of my own experience. So you'll be able to listen to that. Uh, on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 112. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And I tell you what, this week has been a lot about work. Um, I, I'm sure you're tired of hearing that, but it's true. Um, in fact, the week before was so full that, uh, as you may have noticed, I did not have time to, recover, to record a podcast episode um, and I'm a little concerned about next week because next weekend I'm uh, I'm going to uh, a youth conference which starts Friday evening and runs through Sunday morning and has five hours of driving on either side of it. So I have this feeling that I'm not going to have the energy or the time uh, to do a podcast episode next weekend. But anyway, that's that's looking forward to the future. What uh, what about this week? Um, I went to uh, a meeting yesterday and the topic was step eight. And and we did the reading from uh, from Paths to Recovery, and the uh, there were a couple phrases that jumped out at me in there. Uh, there's one about looking at our part in the things that happened, and whether our fault is five uh, percent or ninety five percent. We still need to uh, we still need to look at our part, and maybe uh, if necessary, be, make amends for for what our part was even. And, and the other seg- section that kind of goes together with that is that some of the people to the, whom we have harmed made a list of all people we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all is the step. Sometimes the, so the people we have harmed is all have also harmed us and that this can stand in the way of, um, our willingness to make amends for, for what we did. And I reflected on a couple of situations that have happened, one recent and one uh, uh, a, few, a couple of years ago, where I had a part and other people had a part. Um, and uh, the one I talked about, I think, in the last episode, uh, where uh, I uh, snapped at somebody in a meeting at work and he got up and left. And... That 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 one for me is a really good example of the I have a part and he has a part. Uh, that uh, you know my part was uh, speaking inappropriately for a work situation, uh, and to to all the people in the room, um, and and his part was you know <laughs> getting up and storming out basically, um, and uh, you know what the step tells us step eight tells us is that. Uh, you know, we need to make whatever amends are appropriate for for what we did. Um, 
and uh, and and so I did, and and I felt like uh, since since I had been kind of snippy to a whole bunch of people, I mean, it wasn't just that one that one uh, that was that was the one that sort of really stood out in the meeting, but you know, I'd been I don't know, snippy is not the word, um, aggressive, assertive, assertive is is the is the is the nice form of aggressive, right? Um, yeah, and uh, and so you know, I made an apology to everybody. Uh, and a direct apology to to the guy who walked out, and then he admitted his part in that uh, as part of that process. I mean, you know, I said said I'm, I'm apologized for the way I spoke to you yesterday, and he said, "Well, you know, my response was uh, not appropriate either." And that you know that was all we needed to do. Um, and uh, and and the step reminds me that that I need I I just need to to own up to my part. Um, and I need to be, I need to be honest about that, and uh, and I'll have a little more to say about that later. The other, uh, the other situation that uh, that I spoke about in the meeting uh, involves a uh, a friend who broke off uh, a friendship um, for reasons that at the at the time I didn't understand, uh, and I've been coming to understand um, what my part in that was. I felt very hurt um, when that happened. When somebody breaks off a friendship, just, you know, I can't see you. I can't talk to you anymore. Don't talk to me. Don't email me, etc. Um, it hurts. It hurts. There was a lot of hurt and confusion um, on my part. And and I didn't, was not able at that time to see, um, you know, what what I might have done. Uh, I, I, I was like, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did. Um, obviously, I did something. And so, over the last couple of years, um, I've continued to uh, to reflect on that and to start to see um, what what my actions were that um, you know led this person to to break off the friendship and how um, some of those actions probably were not um, you know it was not not a totally healthy friendship. And to say that there was um, yeah, and and so coming to understand what my part was, uh, coming to see how I was harming our friendship, um, is, is bringing me to the point where I, well, as I said at the meeting yesterday, I think I'm willing, I know I need to make some amends. Uh, I'm, I think I'm willing to make amends, but I'm not ready. If you understand that, uh, and, and actually I think the, the reading and past recovery talks about, um, you know, making maybe three lists, one of people that, that were willing and ready to make amends to, one of, one of people that were not yet ready to make amends to, and one of people that, well, at, at, at this point in our lives, we can't ever see being willing or ready to make amends to. And, and so, uh, you know, that's where I am with this one. I, 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 know, that it, I know that I did some harm. Um, I have identified some of what that uh, is, as far as I can tell from my perspective, uh, but I'm not I'm not ready to actually make the amends directly anyway. And that's, it's a little tricky too, because if somebody says, you know, don't talk to me, don't contact me. How do you make amends to them? So anyway, that was, um, there was a lot, lot that came up in that meeting. Um, and, uh, and one person who was fairly new to the program said, I always, I always think, you know, when we're, when we're doing steps and we're on these later steps, like eight and nine and, um, you know, whatever, five, six, seven, and somebody who's maybe been coming for a month uh, is sitting in there 
I'm, I'm like, what are what are they getting? And of course, you know, I realized that I got something when those topics were discussed, but um, you know, that's different, right? It's my codependency. I want to say something that's going to speak to the newcomer, right? And this person said, you know, I sit here and and I hear you people saying all of this stuff that's in my head that I was never able to express. And I thought, wow. You know, that is the power of the program. That is the power of our meetings where we express our own experience, our, our own strengths, our own hope, our own fears, our own weaknesses. Uh, and somebody else can identify with those. Somebody else can maybe put names to those. And I know that happened for me, that somebody would say something and I would be like, oh, that's what that is. I never would. I never recognized that, or I recognized it, and I couldn't name it. And um, and that's so powerful. And and it was such a good reminder of of that power. So I think that's uh, that's my week. I'm not sure uh, got much else. So let's look forward. To, uh, what's what's coming up? Uh, I know last episode uh, we talked about the topic of fun, uh, and I want to I want to thank. Uh, those of you who have written in with uh, your thoughts on this topic of fun, uh, thank you very much. I will be using those uh, in that episode. I'd, I'd really love to hear from more of you. Uh, what does fun mean to you? Uh, how do you have fun? Has the way in which you have fun or are able to have fun, are able to even think about having fun, has that changed as you came into recovery? Um, were you maybe not able to have fun when you were really in the grips of of your alcoholic relationship, um, and and uh, you know whatever your own experience, uh, email feedback at show dot com, or you can call and leave your voice at seven three four seven zero seven eight seven nine five, or you can use the voicemail button on the website to uh, to speak to us directly from your computer to add your voice to our conversation here. We'd love to hear from you, and if you have. Um, you know, if you have thoughts or your own experience about today's topic, uh, you know, the question, do you drink? How do you drink? How has it changed? Uh, I'd also love to hear from you on that. So please call or write. You can go to the website. It's therecoveryshow.com, and we have notes about the show. We have a list of uh, potential topics, links to the music that uh, we talked about. All the back episodes are at therecoveryshow.com. So, uh, so head on over there. And if you really like to join the conversation as a guest, uh, we can have a, a phone conversation, uh, 10 or 20 minutes, and, and that can be part of an episode. Or, or you could be uh, a full co-host, and that, that takes a couple of hours. Um, email feedback at com if you're interested. So I want to take a short break before we look at uh, your, your email uh, contributions. Uh, second song that I've picked to talk about today um, is uh, Whiskey Girl by Jillian Welch. And this is a, uh, I don't know, this is a, a song about, I think, both the, the positive and the negative side of, of drinking. Just a couple of lyrics here. Uh, I'd take you down, honey, if I could. We find a place in the sunshine, we'd be feeling good. And this sort of, I, I, I hear these words in this, in this lyric, down, like I'd take you down, I'd take you down with me. Is that what that means? Um, but we'd be feeling good, you know. 
And that's, that's the experience of, uh, you know, the first drink, right? The first drink you're feeling good. Um, and then you go down. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's a, it's a nice song. Uh, check it out. Got, uh, a little bit of uh, feedback this week. It's been relatively quiet in our email box and uh, no voicemails this week. Rhonda commented on the topics page at therecoveryshow.com asking for a show about sponsors and sponsorship. Um, and, you know, it might be time to, to cover that topic again. We did talk about sponsorship in episode 25. I invite you to to uh, check that episode out. And, uh, but, uh, and I got an email from a friend uh, who wrote, As you know, I listen to all of your recovery show podcasts. Every time I listen to an episode, I think to myself that you're doing a great service to the world. It really is the world. It's really amazing what you're doing. You should be proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. I also wanted to comment on the story you told in a recent episode about speaking abruptly in a meeting. You said that in response to something you said, a person got up and left the meeting and the building. You were being really hard on yourself for causing that to happen. I want to say that my first response upon hearing your story was that this other person has a problem. His behavior is pretty unacceptable also. Yes, perhaps you said something in a tone that was inappropriate, but I think walking out of a meeting is worse. You were telling the story in a way that everything was your fault, and you mentioned that you apologized to the whole team. Recognizing and acknowledging your bad behavior is commendable, but I think you should give yourself a break sometimes. His reaction was not your fault. I thought I'd share because this episode came not long after the self-criticism episode. You know that you're hard on yourself. This experience is another example. And, uh, you know, that was, that was good to hear. That was good to hear because, um, you know, this friend is right. Uh, I, I do tend to be hard on myself. I do tend to be very critical of myself. And um, I think I want to take that experience apart. And, and there were sort of two parts to it. One was the, the evening and night after the incident, before the apology, where I was really stewing on it. Uh, I was feeling like I had really screwed up. Um, and part of that came, of course, from my boss saying, I want to talk to you about this. Um, that always triggers things. But, um, you know, that that part of that experience, I think, um, and, and I did not make this connection back to the self-criticism episode. So this is why it's, it, you know, this is why it's valuable for me to reflect my experiences off of other people because they see things that I don't. And then, so yes, this is valid. I, I need to remember that I'm really hard on myself and uh, maybe talk to my higher power uh, about, about uh, not being so hard on myself. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, as, as I said earlier, uh, I still needed to make amends for my part, uh, regardless of what the other person did. But, but uh, you know, my friend is absolutely right. Uh, the other person leaving the meeting was not my fault. That was on them. And, and I, you know, I say, I think that they made, they made a, an appropriate response to me about that. And that's, it's not my part to, uh, it's not my part to decide what their amends should be. Yeah. Got a, uh, also a couple comments on the, the page on the website where uh, we have a, a PDF file that you can print out and make little business cards to, to hand out to people to, to share this uh, podcast with them. And, we got one from Eric who says, uh, where can I get the business card file to print? Uh, and I looked at the page and I realized, you know, it's not, 
it's not really obvious. Um, so I'm looking at the page right now, and at the top it says The Recovery Show, business cards, parenthesis, PDF. And then under it, in smaller text that's kind of gray on my screen, it says The Recovery Show, business cards, PDF. Again, like, huh, what's that? Well, that is the link to the PDF file. So if you click on the, the smaller gray title below the big black title um, on the business cards page, you will get the PDF file that you can then print out uh, on particular uh, business card stock. Uh, and I, I have that listed in the page here, what, uh, what particular kind they're designed for. Um, and so I, I made a quick response back to Eric about that. Uh, and then also Suzanne... Uh, wrote, I think these cards are fabulous. I had tried to create a flyer, but because you are not conference-approved literature, cannot offer it in my meetings. These cards give me a chance to share you with other members after the meeting without violating any guidelines. The site has been absolutely a lifesaver for my recovery, not only with your podcast, but your links to other sites and have been invaluable. Many blessings to you for all your work. Uh, thank you, Suzanne. I'm, I'm glad we can help. And, you know, I carry around these cards with me and, and hand them out to people like after meetings. Uh, because, yeah, you're right. It's not conference-approved literature. Uh, it's not something that's Al-Anon, part of the Al-Anon program, and, and we try to make that clear at the beginning of the show. Um, but, you know, if it's helped you, uh, maybe maybe you'd like to share it with your friends. All right. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses. They run about $60 a month, and you can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly. And I want to again thank Alice, Anthony, and our anonymous donor for your support. Um, thank you so much. And thank you all for your support in whatever form you give it, uh, whether it's uh, sharing sharing the uh, podcast with your friends uh, or uh, or just listening. The, uh, the, the last song selection that I want to talk about, uh, and this, you know, tough choices here, but uh, I found this uh, pointer to the song Lilac Wine by, as sung by Nina Simone. And, and I love uh, Nina Simone uh, for her, uh, oh, man, her really emotional, um, she puts a lot of spirit into what she sings. And I pulled this, this verse out. When I think more than I want to think, I do things I never should do. I drink much more than I ought to drink because it brings me back you. And, you know, again, this is one of the reasons that sometimes we drink. That, uh, you know, we don't want to feel what's happening right now. Um, and that's, you know, not the healthiest reason to drink. But the song's beautiful. Thank you for listening. And please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. <laughs>